0: Place. As you mold us, as you bring truth to remembrance, Lord, we thank you because we know that we are yours, that we are loved, and we are so humbled. By the reality that you would visit us today, that you would come among us today. And so, Lord, we just want to honor you, reverence you. And so we are humbled before your presence, God. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that even as you have moved in this place and as you have brought us to this moment of stillness, that our hearts would be still before you, that our ears would be open to you, that our minds would be fixed on you, that we would hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Those words that you inspired some 2,000 years ago almost, but yet they echo true today. Call us to faithfulness. Call us to bring honor and glory to your name, God. We thank you. We give you glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' powerful name. And God's people said... Amen, amen, amen. Come on, you can bless him. He is worthy, 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 worthy of glory. If you have a Bible, would you open it with me to the book of Revelation? We are in chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, and we will begin reading in verse 7. Revelation 3 and verse 7. Revelation 3 and verse 7. When you got it, say so. So. And it says, And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who holds the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See? I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline when you came in today, if you didn't get an outline and you would like an outline so you can follow along and take notes, just raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to bring you an outline. We want you to be able to take some notes and follow along as we continue in our Revelation series focused on the king until the end. That's the subtitle. And such a beautiful time as we engaged in song and worship today to just really focus in on the Lord and to really engage with him and be reminded of his faithfulness, to be reminded of his holiness, to be reminded of who he is. What a great privilege to be in the presence of God. The church of Philadelphia here that we see in chapter three of the book of Revelation is the second second of the seven churches, and this is in your outline there in the introduction, is the second of the seven churches that was not rebuked. It is known as the faithful church. When you think of the church of Philadelphia, it is known as the faithful church, and our goal should be to be known in heaven as faithful people. Our goal should be to be known in heaven as faithful people, not not, not just people that other people say are faithful, but that God in heaven would call us faithful. That's our goal. Not that people think highly of us, not that people see us in a certain light. Those things really are irrelevant when it comes to eternal matters because the fact is we want to get a good report from the God of glory. We want to get a good report from the king of glory that he would say, you have been faithful. What are the words that we long to hear? We long to hear the, I long to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear part for me, I never knew you, you work of iniquity. I don't want to be deceived my whole life thinking that I have done great things and come before the king and be lacking in the testimony that really matters, that I have been faithful because our God is faithful. I want to give you a few facts about about the church of Philadelphia that I think are important for us, that gives us some foundation. So Philadelphia, and again, this is in your outline, Philadelphia was 28 miles southeast of Sardis, and it was built by um, Attalus, Philadelphus, which obviously where it gets its name, um, Philadelphia. The king of Pergamos who died in BC 138. So the church, the, the, this city was established by this king. It was nearly destroyed by an earthquake in the reign of Tiberius. So, in between 14 and 37 AD, uh, this this uh, this happened. And so, the one thing that that this city was known for, and keep this in mind was the fact that there were these um, earthquakes and tremors and things like that that this city experienced, kind of like, you know, California, right? It, 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 you know if you live over there, that's just, that's part of the deal, right? Like you, you're, you're you're potentially going to experience an earthquake at some point because that's just what happens over there. And so the same thing if you're in Florida. Listen, if you're in Florida, you're going to experience a hurricane at some point. Sun now now I don't know how how intense you will experience it however you're going to it because that's where we live It just that's just the natural reality and it was the same thing for the church in Philadelphia but this has a, a, an important point for us the Church of Philadelphia stood at an important Junction of the Imperial post Road that ran through um from Rome through Traas through Pergamum and Sardis on through to Tarsus and the east and so you, you you'll see their importance there in the trade and then Jesus Jesus. Jesus says something important, they had an open door through which to share the gospel. Whenever you hear those words, Paul prays and asks us to pray in Ephesians, right, that, that that the Lord would open the door for him. In the book of Romans, I believe he talks about the door has been opened. And so if we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, this is what Jesus was speaking to this church about important as, as a trade post, but also a place where the gospel was going to be communicated. I want you to think about this this morning. Faithfulness to the Lord is measured in quality not in quantity. Faithfulness to the Lord is measured in quality, not in quantity. You, you see, when, when, when we get caught up in the wrong things, we can miss what really matters to the Lord. My brother, Sean, he asked me the other day, he said, he said, Bishop, I want to talk to you one day. And I'm like, sure, what's up? And he said, so here's my question. Do you want to pastor a big church? Hallelujah. He's like, and and this is his words. He said, and you know, because some people are like, I don't want that headache. Hallelujah. I'm good right where I'm at. And let me just say something everything inside of me, my pro- I don't know, I would think about it this way. If you asked an insurance person, hey, do you want to sell a bunch of policies, right? Like they would say, no, I'm okay with just one or two. <laughs> no, they wouldn't say that, right? Like they want to sell lots of policies, right? If you had a person who was a car salesman or so, and say, hey, do you want to sell a lot of cars? No, I'm good. I just want to hit one once in a while. It doesn't really matter. No, nobody wants to, you know, not be successful, right, in, in, in the standards of whatever they're in. And so so in myself, absolutely, 100%. But I want to tell you something, and this is the truth from my heart. I am always checking myself because there is one thing that I want above everything. I don't want to pastor a big church. I want to pastor a faithful church. I want to lead a church that is faithful. Let me tell you something. This, if we, hear me when I say this, if we will be faithful with what God calls us to do, there's not a building in Oviedo or Central Florida that will be able to hold what it is that God is doing. It's not a question of size. It's, that's not the thing. The question is, will we be faithful? Will we be faithful to the Lord? Will we be the qualitative disciples that we are supposed to be and become disciple makers? Or will we sit by and just chill, right? And be like, well, hey, you know, whatever happens, happens. It's funny because I've had people come into this church and they've said, you know, I love this church because it's a small church. And I'm like, hallelujah. And I'm like, amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. I'm glad you're here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then I've had people that have come and say, you know, I I can't be here because it's a small church. And I'm like, amen, amen, amen. (laughs) You know what the problem with both of those statements are? Is that they're all about the person. They're not about the kingdom. They have zero to do with the kingdom of God. They have zero to do with God and what he's doing or what he wants to do. It's all about, I like this church because it is, or I can't be part of this church because it is. Listen, church, we got to be a faithful church. That is what God is calling us to be. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, am I being faithful with what God is calling to be faithful with? Am I being faithful? Because the church in Philadelphia is known as this faithful church. And so the first thing I would ask you to repeat after me is this. And I want to give you a warning, okay? Let me just give you a warning because you're going to look down at your paper and you're going to start reading and you're going to realize you're not saying what I'm saying. There was a typo with the printer. So there was something that happened when we sent it over to the printer for them to print it out. They didn't, anyway, you, you, know, you know, sometimes we don't edit correctly. I'll just put it that way. But I didn't want to waste the paper. Amen. I wanted you to have the opportunity. At least you got the intro and just, but I do want to tell you this the the, the points that are there, they're very good points. The guy who preached that, he did a great job that day. (laughs) I wish I could tell you exactly which sermon it is. I can't do that right now. But nonetheless, the points are good points. So don't scratch them out. Think about them later on. But you can write these in there. But repeat this after me. Say, faithfulness to the Lord Lord is only possible possible because He is faithful. I asked Minister Hector to sing that song, Promises, the the song that we did after Pastor Aldo greeted us. And it's because I wanted us to be reminded in our worship and be encouraged in our worship about the faithfulness of God. And even the first song, as Pastor Aldo was up here and he was exhorting us, he said, you know, he is good in the morning. He is good. You can always have the same song no matter what time of day it is, no matter what the situation or the circumstances, because what? Because God is faithful. The scriptures clearly say the book of James tells us that there is no shadow of turning within him, meaning that he does not change like the, the clock. It was a shadow clock back then. And as the sun moved, here's what would happen. As the sun moved, the shadow would shift. That's how you knew what time it was based. that, That's the analogy that James is giving. And what he is saying, there is no shadow of turning in him. There is just light. He is light. He is light. He he shines brightly at all times. No matter what, you'll never know what time of day it is if you just focus on him. And that's why, see, we brought you all here at 10 o'clock for one service, not because we want to just have one service. We want to keep you here all day, glory to God. (laughs) But you know what? When you get caught up in his presence, as we sang, you know what seems to happen? It seems like time stands still. Because his presence becomes so overwhelming, which actually does what? It gives us a picture or a glimpse of what eternity will be like that Because he is so overwhelming, his love, his grace, his goodness. But he is faithful. He is faithful. He does not change. And the only way that you and I can be faithful is because he is faithful. So how does he introduce himself to the church of Philadelphia? He says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, And he who holds the key of David. So he does what? He introduces himself in three distinct ways. Remember, we always go back to this as we're looking at the churches. The revelation that Jesus gives to each church is significant to support the message he's going to bring to them. So what does he say? The first thing he says, write to the church, he who is holy. See, when we sing about God's holiness, it's completely different than our holiness because our holiness is bound up in this thing called sanctification. Sanctification is a big word that means to be set apart. And and what happens is when we are being holy or made holy, God is removing sin from our lives. That's the power and the work of the Holy Spirit that is operating in the heart of the believer. That is God making us more like him. He is removing sin from us. But here's the difference. God's holiness is not like that. Sin is absent from God. When the angels cry holy, they are saying different, he's different, he's different. There is something different about this one who sits on the throne. He is holy. He is not like us. He is not being separated from sin, but he is holy. He is the one who is true. As, one, as, as the old timers would say, he is very God. He is very God. The confessions of faith would say he is very God. What does that mean? That means that he is authentically God. See, Jesus is true light. Jesus is true bread. Jesus is the true vine, which means he is true life. He is the one who is true. He is very God, and he is the holder of the key of David. What do these keys have to do with? Well, he opens and no one shuts. He shuts and no one opens. What does that mean? That means that he is the one who holds all authority. So when we look at this picture of who God is, what should it do for us? It should let us know that he is holy. He is faithful. He is the one. Listen, he's not tempted by evil so we can trust him. He is the true God. He is the self-existent, the self-sustaining, the self-revealed one. He doesn't depend on anyone else, right? Therefore, he's not going to change. No matter who's in the room, no matter who gate, no, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't depend on anyone else. So he is faithful. He is really faithful, and he is the holder of the key. He is the one who has all authority. He's the omnipotent God. Is, he, is that not a God worthy of trust? Is that not a God that we can say, wait a second, this is a God that is able to never fail. Now, 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 let me say this, because when I say that he will never fail, that doesn't mean he's going to do everything you want. (laughs) Nor does it mean he's going to do everything at the timing that you want it to be done. Hello. But what it means is that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never fail to accomplish his promises. He will never fail to accomplish his purposes. This is the God that we worship, and that's the reason why we worship him as we do. What did he say to them? He goes on to tell them, I know your works, verse 8. I know your works. Their works were connected to what? He said, see, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength have kept my word and have not denied my name. And so we see here he connects their their works to the door that he has opened for them. The door that he has placed before, again, that door of the gospel. So as important as they were as a city, he was saying, listen, you know what? You're not just important as a city, but you're an important church in this city. I'm going to use you to bring this gospel message to all of those who need it. And look what he says. He says to them, see, I have set this door open before you. No one can shut it for you have little strength. In other words, you can't open the door yourself. I've got the door open for you. You can't make the way for the gospel. I have made the way for the gospel. It's not because you are so great. It's not because you are the largest church in the region. It's not because you are the most significant or you're the church that's making the most noise. It is simply because, listen, I have made a choice is what Jesus is saying, and I have opened the door for you to proclaim the gospel, though you have little strength. Have done what? Even though they have little strength, they have kept his word. And they have not denied his name. They have kept his word. They have held on to his word. They have been faithful to keep his word and not deny him. Now, listen, you, you, you got to realize, right, if you read this outside of context, then you're like, oh, they were faithful to keep his word. And that's easy. No, 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 that wasn't easy back then. Because remember, all of these churches experience persecution, all of these churches were under the gun for their faith in Jesus. All of these churches were called to bow to the imperial, the, you know, the emperor worship, That 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 system of worship where Caesar is Lord. I mean, they were not just, you know, okay to be the church on the block. No. They were coming against the idols within their cities. They were saying, those are false gods. We serve the one true God. They weren't popular there. They had little strength. They weren't some super influential people. And yet God says, you have been faithful. You have kept my word. You haven't denied my word. You haven't gone away from it. You have not denied my name. You have honored my name. You have continued to declare that I am Lord. And then he goes on and he says this. Look at these words. This, this is a little bit difficult. Verse 9, it says, indeed. Indeed means that that's a promise. Amen? It's like for sure. He's like, this is exactly what is going to happen. He says, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them. Now, I want to pause because he said indeed twice, didn't you? He? You heard that, right? So it's like, for sure, for sure. Hello let's just make it clear right like there's no question here it's it's like a double you know I like to do like double exclamation points right so that that's what this was Jesus is making a double exclamation point here indeed I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you what does that mean I thought we we're supposed to just worship the one true God right now I was as, as I'm looking at this and, I, and I'm looking at the scripture I'm like man, this is this is we got to understand what he's saying here. So there's an article that I, that came through ChurchLeaders.com, and this article gives such a it gives a, it gives a good picture. I think I think Lewis, you're gonna pull that up. Are you able? Yep, there we go. It gives us good picture. And so here's here's what what happens. It says atheist society secretary resigns after finding Jesus. Someone say amen to that. Amen. But you see the picture here, right? You see what's going on. So this gentleman with the microphone apparently is confessing his faith in Jesus, and then look where he is. He's on his knees, not worshiping them, but he's on his knees worshiping the God of glory. Now this guy, this is an atheist organization in Kenya, and he was one of the main leaders in this thing, and he found Jesus, and he encountered him, and his life was changed. Church, that's what God is able to do, and this is what he's promising this church, not about the atheists, but remember, the synagogue of Satan were those Jews who were rejecting Christ, who were rejecting truly the prophets of old. They were rejecting that, and if you're interested in the article, I'll forward you the article. I know some of y'all were reading that, but just let's, let, let's hone back in, glory to God. So It's a short article. I was going to read it, Lewis. I should have read it, but anyway. <laughs> But here is the 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 thing that he's telling them and if and I'll give you a, a biblical picture of this. If you remember in the book of Acts chapter 16 remember Paul and Silas around verse 25 the scripture says but at midnight Paul and Silas were singing hymns and praying unto the Lord and the holy spirit came down in a powerful way shook the prisons the doors opened the chains came off everybody was set free but nobody ran and then the 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 the, the officer who was in charge of the whole thing running Runs in and he's ready to kill himself. And what happens? He's getting ready to kill himself. And Paul is like, no, no one has gone anywhere. What does the jailer do? He runs in and falls on his face before them. Not worshiping them. Falls on his face in humility and reverence. See, this is the result of a church that's faithful. It's that God does this amazing work and he brings it's not listen, it's not about us being honored, it's about him being honored. Here's the thing. many times we just need to stay the course and allow God to defend us, allow God to affirm us, and above all allow God to bring bl- glory to His name through us. That's what we need to do. We need to worry about confounding people and, conf- and and making them understand. no no, no we just need to stay the course of faithfulness. It was funny when we were in worship and we were in that moment where it was kind of maybe for some it felt awkward but you know how difficult it is just to be still let me let let me, let me challenge you to do something starting starting tomorrow starting tomorrow start tomorrow you did it today i want to challenge you to take to, to set a timer i started doing this last week set a timer for 15 minutes and make it a point, right after you've worshipped, after you've prayed, to just sit before God for fifteen minutes in silence. Don't say a word. When your thoughts start running, be like, da, 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 da. <laughs> "Lord, I worship you." Open up the scriptures. Look at Isaiah six. Look at the book of Revelation. Look at the throne room pictures. Sit there. You can read those in that time. Let your mind be taken to the heavens. It's 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 uncomfortable to just be still to just not move, right? It's hard to be steady. That's what being still is when you're talking about being consistent. It's being steady. It's consistently seeking Him, consistently obeying Him, consistently following Him, consistently holding to His Word. Not changing because time changes, not changing because people change, not changing your tune or your feeling or your conviction, not trading any of that in, but staying firm. Listen, that's what it means to be still and know that I am God. Continuing firm, continuing steady. I hope you guys will take the challenge. Who's going to take the challenge? Raise your hand if you're going to take the challenge. I got one, two. Come on, don't lie. Come on, come on. All right, all right, there we go. All right, we got we got half you. I'm good. If, we, if I got half, glory to God, amen. Just ask the Lord, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak. I want to hear your voice. And listen, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't want to make you any false promise. Here's what I can promise you. It's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done. That's what I can assure you of. I can't assure you you're going to hear some thunderous voice from heaven. I can't assure you of that. I can't even assure you you're going to hear a still, small voice in your spirit. I can't assure you of that. But I know that you're going to sense God more. You're going to become more attuned to his voice, maybe not in that exact moment, but as he speaks to you throughout the day. And listen, stay attuned to his voice because he's speaking. He wants to speak to us. The second thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say When we focus on being faithful, we can trust the Lord With the results. When we focus on being faithful, we can trust the Lord with the results. Look at verse 10. He says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast. Minister Jonathan, he talked about that last week. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. When we focus on being faithful, we can trust the Lord with the results. We need to learn, church, to focus upon what is required of us, and why we are walking in obedience more than on expected outcomes. Let me say that again. We need to learn to focus upon what is required of us and why we are walking in obedience more than on expected outcomes. So what we need to learn to do is say, okay, you know what, God, what is it that you require of me? What is it that you will of me? What is the imperative in the scripture of me? But not just getting stuck on the imperative, right? Not, not just getting stuck on what it is that God says to do. You need to know that for sure. My brother Kyle, he came up to me a couple, I think it was pre-COVID, I preached a sermon, and I was talking about obedience, obedience, and then I said, listen, I don't want you to focus on the obedience, I want you to focus on the one you're obeying. And he was like, man, you had me, and then you got, and I'm just coming back around doing full circle on this thing because here's what happens. We need to know what God requires of us, but don't forget why we are obeying because we don't want to just walk around like God is some horrendous heavenly slave driver. Hello. Like like he's up there with no love, no concern, no compassion, no care. Wait a second. We pull back. Wait, remember the open door? The open door was the gospel the gospel that God came down from heaven in the form of a man in order to rescue us, in order to deliver us, in order to set us free, in order to make us one with him in the mission of bringing deliverance to those in the world, remembering that we could not rescue ourselves, remembering how lost we were without him, remembering all that God has saved us from. Oh my goodness, that moves you to a place where I want to obey. Him, it's not just a list of things to do, but I'm saying, God, you have done so much for me. I want to obey, I want to honor you because the fact is that if we don't focus on Him, we're gonna miss it. Because here's what will happen if you focus on the outcomes of what's gonna happen and things don't happen the way you want them to happen, you know what happens to you? You become bitter, and you know what's even worse? God can heal your bitterness, but you know what is, is, is even worse is that your testimony gets messed up. And you know what this is about? It's not about you and me. It's about him. It's about him. Listen, I want you to know this. In the middle of the hardship, in the middle of the trial, and I didn't say this, maybe I did, but I'm going to say it again because I don't remember if I said it or not. But you cannot be faithful if there's no hardship. Let me say it again. You cannot be faithful, you cannot be found faithful if there's no testing. You cannot be found faithful if there's nothing for you to say no to. Hello. If there's nothing for you to say yes to. See, the fact of the matter is that we are going through hardship and difficulty. You know what is happening? God is shining his light through our lives. And as people watch us go through those seasons of trial, those seasons of hardship, those seasons of difficulty, as God begins to move in our lives, people see, wait a second, there's something that, this guy, this woman, they they should be like tore up, they should be messed up, but but they're not. Even, Even in the midst of the most difficult situations, God can be and wants to be glorified through our faithfulness. But if the only thing we're focused on is outcome, what happens when he doesn't answer like you want? You know how, you know how our children are, right? They're so good when they want something. They are angels. They clean their room. You, you, you barely finish your sentence and they're obeying what you say. They are, I mean, it's like, wow, I've done a great job parenting. <laughs> but allow the disappointment to come when you say, you know what, we're not going to be able to do that. Or, or, you know, you go to the store and they don't have that item that they wanted so bad. All of a sudden, it seems like Satan rose up. It's, it's like, what happened to my angel? My angelic child has disappeared now, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm battling, you know, Damien or something like that. Hello, come on now. <laughs> I, <laughs> but see, we laugh about our kids, but, church, let me ask you a question. Is that you? That you're fasting and you're praying and you're seeking him. And you know he's going to do it. And then he doesn't. He's silent. Or he says, No. Are we like our kids? Are we that immature? But we're supposed to be faithful. That even when he says, no, I still love you. Even when he says, no, I still worship you. Even when he is saying, be still, and you're like, I don't want to be still. Yeah. He's like, be still. No, 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 I don't want to be still. And then you get mad and angry, and then you you create things that you have to repent of. You know, You know what I'm talking about. Because you don't want to be still, so you're doing your own thing. And then later on, you're a pot, man, I'm so sorry I was acting like that. Uh-huh, I, yeah, okay. We're called to be faithful. Because you have kept the word, the word of my perseverance is the way that that should be translated. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance. What is the word of my perseverance? It's the gospel charge to endure in faith until the end. Not until you get your answer. No, nope. until the end, until you breathe your last, or you hear that trumpet sound. One of the two. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be faithful to Him, no matter what. And so, what do we call? It? We're called to keep His word and then hold fast to what we have. What is it that we have? Is it strength? No, it's the gospel. Hold fast. Look what He tells Him. He says, "Behold, I come quickly." He's letting them know his, his coming is imminent. He is, come, he is going to return. He, he's letting them know, I'm coming quickly. Be ready. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Continue to persevere. Continue to be faithful. And he tells them here because I don't want to miss that. I want to I don't want to skip over it, right? He tells them that I will also keep you in verse 10. I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And so, listen, I and I, I have no I'll let you know this. For those of you that may be like, you know, pre-tribulation rapture folks, right? If you if you know what that term is, you're, you'll know what I'm saying. If you're not that, you don't know what it is, don't worry about it. But for some people, they look at this text as a proof text, like, oh, well, this shows that the church is not going to go through some kind of trial or tribulation. I don't think that that's what this is teaching. Because contextually, he is speaking to that church in that moment And and also, when you look at the language, what the language is actually communicating, it is communicating and making it crystal clear that he is saying, it's not that I am going to make you escape from hardship. I'm going to keep you through the hardship. Oh, there's going to come a moment. You guys know, I mean, if you've been through our Core Faith 101, you know that there is going to be a rapture at a particular time, but we're going to experience some hardship. You know what God promises his faithful church? I'm going to keep you through the hardship. I'm going to keep you through the 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 tribulation. I'm going to keep you through the testing period. Just hold fast. Just endure. That's what he tells us to do. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say faithfulness is the result of eternal hope. Faithfulness is the result of eternal Hope. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. He shall become a pillar. Remember what I said earlier that Philadelphia was plagued by tremors and earthquakes. And so when he tells them, I am going to make you a pillar. He is giving them a picture that is a spiritual thing, but something that they can relate to in the natural. See, at that time, there was no way to fortify stuff in some, you know, way because they didn't have that type of technology yet. But even now, I mean, I always think I'm like, yeah, you could have all kind of fortified whatever you want, but if the o- if the earth opens, you going, hello. I don't care what kind of technology you have. If the earth opens and you happen to be in that opening, you're gonna get swallowed up. That's just it. But, but, but in, the, in this time, they, they're plagued by this, and God tells them, I'm going to make you this pillar in the temple of my God. Speaking of the future temple that's going to come, that we'll see later on in the book of Revelation, and he shall go out no more. So what is he telling them? He lets them know the overcomer's future is stability and permanence. Stability and permanence in the kingdom of God. That is what we get to look forward to. And so again, what are we doing? We are looking forward with eternal hope. See, it's not the hope in this world. See, that's the reason why people get bitter and they get angry and they walk away from God. And they're like, God is a liar and all of this kind of stuff. It's because of what? Because they're not looking at eternity. They're not being motivated by what should motivate us. If God says no to every prayer that I ask him, there is one that he has promised, and that is I will be a pillar and I will go out no more. Hello. I will be part of that eternal kingdom that is coming, and I am encouraged by that. He goes on to communicate with them, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out from my God, and I will write on him my new name. And so again, our stability and permanence come from where? Some of y'all are not going to like this word I'm going to say it comes from ownership our stability and permanence come from ownership church let me let me give you a news flash until you realize your life is not yours you will never be faithful until we come to the realization that your that we do not belong to ourselves our time is not ours our money is not ours no, listen we own nothing hello until we understand that, we're not going to be faithful. You know why? Because every time that something that's ours is not going the way we want, we want to take control. Every time something, when God asks us, hey, I want more of your time. Oh, no, well, Lord, my, my time, I have this on my calendar. and da, 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 da. There's only 24 hours in a day, Lord. There's only seven days a week. Yeah, I know. And how much of that time do you waste? Hallelujah. Ah. How much of those 24 hours a day are you spending doing things that are unredeemable? Listen, I'm talking in the mirror just like I'm talking to you. I can say, well, I don't. Oh, you have enough time. Oh, trust me. You and I have enough time to do what God has called us to do. The question is, are you willing to lay down all of those other things that you don't? Listen, you don't really have a right to do them. You're saying, well, it's my right. It's my time. I should enjoy. Wait, 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 wait. Is your life yours, or does it belong to someone else? I thought someone purchased you. I, I don't know. <laughs> there's, this, there's this story that I heard years and years ago. My, my cousin, uh, Michelle, she was actually translating for her husband. There pastors up north somewhere. I don't know the city, so forgive me. Worcestershire or something like that. I pronounced the name wrong, I'm sure. Westchester. Westchester, there you go. I was thinking of, I'm hungry. It's almost lunchtime, glory to God. I was thinking of, and I don't even like steak sauce. But anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for translating. That was, that, was a, that was an example of the interpretation of tongues, in case you wondered. Appreciate that. Now we know. Now we know. So if you got a tongue, come and stand next to Marisol and she will be like, uh huh, I got you. Westchester, amen. I don't know. Listen, whatever. It is in Massachusetts, okay? That's for sure. Anyway, here's the story. This is what matters. Worcester. I'm, I'm getting all kind of correction. There's just t- tongues flying everywhere in here, glory to God. Worcester, Worcester, whatever. Okay, whatever. I don't even know. Amen. Well, I'm going to stick with a city up north. Amen? Is that good? We're going to stick with that. And I'm going, I'm staying. That's my final answer. Where her husband was sharing this story of a man who built this boat. And as he built this boat, I mean, he, he was, I mean, he loved this boat put it together, I mean made it beautiful, had it wonderful, mounted it up in a particular area in his home. He comes home one day, the boat's gone. This boat that he loved, cared about. Some time goes by, he's walking by a pawn shop, he sees in the window that boat. He goes into the pawn shop, obviously he made the boat, he doesn't have a receipt for the boat or anything like that. So what does he do when he goes into the pawn shop? He buys the boat, takes that boat, and says, now you're really mine. I built you, and I paid for you. That's us. He made us. And then because of our own rebellion against him and running away from him, he found us in a place of debt. He found us in a place where we need to be rescued. And what does he do? Instead of saying, man, I already made you. I put all kind of work into you. You're just some some rebel. I don't care. No, what did he do? He dies on the cross for us, and that way he can pay the ultimate price so that way you are no longer your own, but you belong to him. Until we understand ownership, he's going to write the name of his God on us. That's that signature, right? He's going to write the name. It's like, you know, you ever get a package the other day, Josiah, yesterday, you know, it's his birthday coming up. So when you see him, just wish him a happy birthday. But, you know, he thinks every package is for him. No matter, no matter whose name is on the package, right? But what do they do? They, they, they write a name on the package. They put an address on the package, and they send it ahead to, to whoever it's going to go to. This is what happens with us, right? God writes his name on us. God writes his address on us, and he says, I'm sending you ahead. Come on now. This is what God promises us. He says, I'm going to write this new name on them. And so the question is, is this God's new name or is this your new name? The answer is yes. <laughs> God's new name is the name, right? We sing that song, I got a new name written down in glory. You know that song, right? <sighs> First time we sang the song, somebody's like, "That that song is not biblical." I'm like, "What Bible are you reading?" Some deep theologians, that that that's not a biblical song. No, you're just in the flesh. But anyway, that's another topic. <laughs> I'm gonna write a new name on you. This new name, this, the new name of God becomes our identity, church. This is immediate, right? This is what happens. We become his. He seals us with his spirit. He marks us. This is so very important. And he communicates to them to be encouraged by these words. And so if we have ears, and I'm getting ready to close with this, but if we have ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the churches, Eternal, pro- Hear me what I'm saying now. Eternal promises will motivate our hearts just as the aroma of our favorite meals motivate our taste buds when we are hungry. You know, like when you're hungry and you know somebody's making that meal and then you smell it. Some of y'all right now, the back of your mouth is like your taste bud. You did not even smell it. You're just like, oh, glory to God. This, this 10 o'clock service got me messed up. <laughs> Usually I have breakfast, but it's like right in the middle of everything, so I'm starving right now, glory to God. But the same way that you are motivated naturally by that smell, you know, I remember being a kid and, and certain smells had just motivated me as a, as a, as a man. And a, oh my goodness, glory to God, there's so many smells in my home that they cook, as you can see. But anyway, anyway. They just motivate me, they move me, but here's what has to happen for us. When you hear eternal promises, something should move you. You should be moved in your spirit that man, things may be tough, but God has promised. Things may be hard, but God has given me eternal. God has written his name. He's promised this. He is, man, he has promised me eternal reward if I just stay faithful. That should motivate us. So here is my closing question. Are you focused upon faithfulness to the faithful one? Are you focused upon faithfulness to the faithful one? Are you focused? This is the faithful church. We should be focused on faithfulness. But not just faithfulness, but faithfulness to someone, to someone who paid the ultimate price, to someone who is faithful to us, to someone who is holy, who is true, who holds the keys of David. We we are faithful to that one. So here's a couple of other questions just to kind of help you mind that thought. What have you said no to that you should have said yes to? What have you said no to that you should have said yes to? What is it that you have that you know and, you know, you feel the conviction. You know you should have said yes, you didn't. What is it? That's unfaithfulness. What have you said yes to and not let your yes be yes? Because there's the other side of that too. Psalm 15, it talks about the person who will stand in the presence of God. And one of those characteristics is that he or she swears to their own hurt. In other words, even when it gets tough, even when you don't have time, even when people rub you the wrong way, all of these things will happen. Even when you don't want to do it anymore. Guess what? you continue. That's what faithfulness is. That's what God is looking for in us. Where is it, and, I, and this is it right here, where is it that Jesus is not Lord in your life? Where is it that Christ isn't Lord? Where, where is it that Jesus is not Lord? Maybe Maybe you have, maybe Jesus isn't Lord of your life at all, and right now is that moment for you to call upon him and say, God, I surrender to you. I want you to be Lord. I want you to write a name on me. I want a new name when I go. I want a relationship with you. I realize that I am a sinner. I realize that I have rebelled against you. Maybe that's you right here. Right now is that moment to cry out and say, God, forgive me. God, have mercy on me. God, change me. God, save me from the wrath that is to come. But maybe you've already prayed that. and Maybe God is just, he's not Lord in your marriage. He's not Lord in your parenting. He's not Lord in your work situation. He's not Lord, I don't know. He's not Lord in your finances. Wherever he is not Lord, repent of that today. Humble your heart before him today. I'm going to ask you to just take a moment to just bow your head. I want you to allow that truth, if you would. Just allow that truth of God calling you to be faithful. Where is it? Hallelujah. As you're seated there, our music ministry is going to lead us in just a time of worship and reflection. And so you can sit, you can stand, but I just ask you to be reverent in this moment. Humble your heart. If you don't know Jesus right now is the moment to cry out to him. If you need to be brought back into that relationship with him, if you strayed away from him and you know he's calling you today with his love, humble your heart before him. And listen, there are leaders here that are here and we'll pray with you. If you want to come forward, if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. If you need prayer for something in particular, we want to pray with you. If you need someone to pray with you, if you want to make that commitment to Christ, come forward. We will pray with you. But just in this moment, let's worship him. For the next few moments, let's lift up our hearts to him. Asking him to search us. Asking him to purify us. Lord, we come before you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, search our hearts. Lord, draw us near to you. Lord, glorify your name in our midst. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, worship him. He's worthy of our worship.